Well, while Merle's getting the PowerPoint set up, I want to remind you, I left a challenge for you last week to read through the Psalms. I'm not going to ask you to show your hands, but I want to encourage you to keep working on that challenge. A Psalm a day is five months through the Psalms. Five a day is just one month. If you want to commit to reading and being inspired by the hymn book of God's people, and yes, that includes you, me, read the Psalms. The other thing that's interesting is noticing more and more, uh, we're trying to figure out what we're doing for our Christmas play because Christmas is on the way. I know, I know, it's not even yet Halloween, right? Uh, But some of my neighbors are already decorating for Halloween and uh, it's coming up really fast. But Christmas is just right behind it. I, I know there's also Thanksgiving, but it's looming. It's coming quick, and it seems like it's coming quicker and quicker. Uh, people are already planning ahead to shop early for their presents because of fear of shortages. Uh, before long, you're going to hear Bing Crosby's voice echoing over the radio as carols are played. One of his distant relatives, actually, is a very famous songwriter. She wrote over 8,000 hymns. In fact, yes, she wrote over 8,000 hymns. Not to mention large number of political songs, patriotic songs, cantatas, and thousands of poems. Her name is Fanny Crosby. Born on March 24th, 1820, she died on February 12th, 1915, and she may look a little bit Halloweenish there, but there's a reason for that. She looks a little Halloweenish because Fanny Crosby was blind from the age of six. Catching a cold, she developed inflammation in her eyes, and they put a mustard poultice on her eyes to treat the inflammation but it impacted her optic nerve and left her blind. So how do you write 8,000 plus hymns, thousands of poems, cantatas, music, patriotic songs, political songs, when you're blind for your whole life? She's an amazing woman. She's also related to uh, the one-time chancellor of New York City, Howard Crosby, stern-looking fellow there, who's a famous Presbyterian minister. So that's a tidbit of worthless information for you this morning. Not only did Fanny Crosby write lots of music and poems, she wrote her first poem at age eight. Again, she was blind. But by age 15, she had memorized the following. I want to see how many of you have memorized all four Gospels. She did that by age 15. She memorized the Pentateuch. If you don't know what the Pentateuch is, that's the first five books of the Old Testament. She memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We have trouble reciting the names of the books, but she had the whole book memorized in addition to all four Gospels. She also had the book of Proverbs memorized and what Brian's going to preach on one of these days, the Song of Solomon. (laughs) We were teasing about that beforehand. And many of the Psalms. So don't tell me, folks, that challenge that you can't read a Psalm a day or two a day or three or even five a day. 
If she can, by age 15, while blind, memorize all these things, what's wrong with us? Her legacy is important. Important in the church because her poems and hymns continue to teach people about faith in Jesus. They continue to inspire and encourage us. And despite her blindness, her life of faith, I think, inspires the church because it's an expression of the true healing described in James 5, verses 13 through 16. And just one more time, those, the, that scripture that we read this morning, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. Fanny Crosby certainly gives us a glimpse of what this verse might look like in the life of a true believer. So let's look a little closer at what true healing God offers those who seek him in prayer. Well, the passage isn't all-inclusive of what to pray for. It does tell us when to pray. It tells us something of how to pray. And it tells us something about the results that we can expect when we truly seek God in prayer. So, when to pray. There are three opportunities expressed in James 5, 13, and 14 of times that it, for us to pray. Are you suffering? It could be. Are you cheerful? Are you sick? It's not an exhaustive list, but it exhausts, I think, the realm of possibilities. Are you suffering? What does that mean? Well, the Greek word is kakopatheo. And I like the last part of that, patheo, because I think of someone who's pathetic. Pathetic means you're in trouble. And if you're suffering, if you have troubles, who among us doesn't have troubles? Worried about our, our family, worried about our friends, praying for people in the church who are sick, struggling with cancer, with Alzheimer, wondering how we're gonna meet our bills, wondering when COVID's gonna end. Do I have to wear a mask when I go into this store? And, or what, what can I do? We're all surrounded by trouble. Are you suffering? Are you in trouble? Pray. Pray. Seek God in prayer. Are you cheerful? Greek word for cheerful is euthumo, which means to feel good or don't worry, be happy. If you're feeling cheerful, it doesn't say to pray, but it says to do a type of praying, which is to sing psalms. The word is solo, to sing the psalms to God. So even if you're cheerful, if you're feeling good, you're still to seek God in prayer. And finally, if you're sick, astheno, or feeble, and that describes some of us, pray. In verse 15, there's another word used for sick, komno, which means 
faint. So are you feeble or fainting? Are you in trouble? Pray. Are you cheerful? Sing your prayers to God. That's when we're supposed to pray all the time. Whenever there's something going on that's too big for us, that's overwhelming for us, that makes us happy, that makes us joyful, when we're sick and, and can't take care of ourselves. In fact, when you're sick, there's a special way you're supposed to pray. Not alone. Not just seeking God by yourself. No, church is a team sport. So when you're sick, when you're feeble or faint, you're supposed to invite Pros Kaleomai had a friend in seminary whose name was Kaleo. It's a Hawaiian name, but it's from the Greek Kaleo, which means to call. So, Pros Kaleomai, to invite, to reach out to the elders, the presbuterois, which is an important word for us at Sierra Vista, presbuteroi church today. This is a were the, 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 the basis of the, of the word Presbyterian, the elders. Invite the elders to pray over you, to pray with you. Because the result of praying like this is you might be saved. And the Greek word is sozo, which is an interesting word, it's, it's used to describe the healing that Jesus gives in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Because it's not just that he healed the blindness of the man born blind. It's not just that he healed the lame man who couldn't walk and now could pick up his pallet and run home. But he restored completely them to health, not just the physical in nature, but the spiritual so that when he looked at, at the man who his friends brought him to Jesus and tore open the roof to let him in, Jesus' first words were not, you're healed, but your sins are forgiven. He healed him completely, spiritually and physically. He saved him. That's the result of our praying with and for each other we find that we experience together the salvation of God. The physical healing, yes, but more importantly, the spiritual healing that might be more important for us. And sometimes God, yes, chooses not to do that physical healing, but he will always, always heal the brokenness of your soul. The result of prayer is that you will be saved and that those who are broken will rise up the gyro, they'll wake up, they'll stand up. And the emphasis here is on the one who's helping you up. This isn't us thinking we can do it on our own. I prayed, so now I'm okay. I've named it, I've claimed it, now I can get up and walk. No, I've sought God on my knees and now God's picking me up. That's the way it works. The emphasis is on the God who saves, the God who raises us up, because we can't save ourselves. We can't raise ourselves up, but God can. And the final result of prayer is that we're forgiven. Our sins have been remitted, yielded up, sent away. And no, you can't forgive yourself. You can't just say when you've wronged someone, well, I prayed for forgiveness, so I'm okay now. 
No, because the only one that can forgive you is the one whom you've wronged. I don't care what you do unless they choose to say, I forgive you, your sins are still there. They're still holding them against you. They're not remitted. They're not yielded up. They're not sent away. Ultimately, we sin against God by trying to be God ourselves. I've named it. I've claimed it. I can do it on my own. I've forgiven myself, and so now I can step forward in faith. No. God needs to forgive. It's the prayer of faith that will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, do this. Confess your sins to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The prayer of faith entails confessing your sin while seeking God's healing. And when we seek God's healing, when we pray for one another, God's word tells us healing does take place. The faint do rise up, so we're strengthened for life and for living. And those who confess their sin receive forgiveness. Yes, the summary of the, in the scripture itself is true. Prayer is powerful. And more importantly than that, science, science agrees with scripture. I'm sure you remember those old TV commercials back when Johnny Depp was a young kid. This is your brain. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. All fried. Any questions? Well, I have one. What happens to our brain when we pray? If drugs can infect our brain and fry them, what happens when we pray? Well, Dr. Andrew Newberg of Thomas Jefferson Hospital in Philadelphia studied the effects of prayer on the brain for over 20 years. He injects radioactive dye into people and looks at the changes in their heads when they pray. He does not claim that prayer is a cure-all, but he believes that it can be uh, every bit as important as science in helping patients to heal. Why? Because this is your brain in its normal state. It's all red when you're at rest. Without prayer, your brain is hot, inflammatory. But when you pray, guess what happens to your brain? It turns yellow. Your brain actually changes colors. And it's not hot and inflamed, but it's the, 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 the anger is released, the, the turmoil is released, the pain goes away. It looks more normal. Newberg believes that prayer heals. Science says prayer heals. But for that prayer to be effective, really truly effective, to bring you salvation and help you rise up and experience true forgiveness and grace and new life, it has to be the prayer of faith in the God who redeemed us, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
That's why we still sing hymns today like the ones Fanny Crosby wrote, hymns like Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine that we sang earlier, or To God Be the Glory, which we'll sing at the end of of the service today. They remind us of our faith. Why pray? Because we have blessed assurance. Why trust? Because we know that God will work things out for his glory, which means for our good. James 5.13 reminds us that the correct response to trouble is to pray. Not necessarily to be delivered from trouble, but for the patience and the strength to endure it, that God would be present with us in the midst of it, and that we would trust God despite our trouble. Many of us today think it's our right to be happy. Think it's our right to not have to deal with trouble. There's so many people out there preaching positive thinking today. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be wealthy. It's your right to be happy. But no, it's our birthright as Christians not to be happy, but to suffer for Christ. Listen to some of these scriptures from the New Testament. For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ, not only to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. Is it your right to be happy? No, it's your right to suffer. How about Romans 5? Not only this, we glory in tribulations. Are you troubled? Pray. Glory in tribulation, pray knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience leads to hope. Jesus himself said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted also were the prophets which went before you. Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, when he prayed for the tribulations, for the thorn in the flesh to disappear, my grace is sufficient for you, says God. My power is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my weakness that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in weakness, in injuries, in infirmities, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong in the Lord. What we do when we suffer points to our faith and points to God's grace, which enables us to endure it when others cannot. And as we trust God, we discover happiness actually is the fortunate side effect of trusting and living in God's grace. Verse 16 reminds us to confess our sin to one another, but in 1 John 1.9, we read these words about how God treats us as well. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Folks, are you troubled? Are you sick? Are you tired? Are you weary? Pray. Are you happy? Are you cheerful? Are things going right? Sing your praise to God. Whatever you do, let us pray. Let us pray now. God, we give you thanks for your word to us. We pray that you will help us to understand it. Make us people of prayer. And as we pray, give to us the salvation of our souls, the healing of our bodies, the communion of being part of the community of your saints, and the strength to press forward despite the struggles that people might glorify you by how your people live. In Jesus' name, amen.